Thank you for being with me today. And remember that you are the chooser in your life and have the power to create the life you want one step at a time. Take care, everybody. Hello, hello, my amazing listeners. How are you? Welcome back to part two of those damn triggers. We are talking more about what they are and how to navigate your way through the trauma response that comes after you have the trigger. We've talked about how to be aware of what triggers you you have and how to be more in charge of those triggers. For example, if love songs are triggering you right now, then you being in charge of your triggers is to not listen to the radio. Create a playlist of songs that don't trigger you. Sometimes it is so hard to believe that you can manage this, right? <laughs> like sometimes it feels as if you are never going to get there. But let me just remind you that there is no there. There is no place of arrival. These parts are now part of you. And empowerment comes when you can be in charge of them, when you can grow and expand from these experiences rather than letting these triggers keep you stuck, meaning not letting them be in the driver's seat all the time. They'll jump up there and take the wheel, but let's not let them take us on a road trip. <laughs> Maybe just a trip around the corner before we let Jesus take the wheel. Okay. I want to briefly just go over again the process so that your un, as your understanding increases, hopefully it will help you to be more intentional in your practice. So when we talk about the difference between a trigger and a trauma response, first of all, I love that the word trigger is being used more often, understood more. However, it is often used outside of this mental health specific context where you listeners actually experienced trauma and you are trauma survivors and have received trauma care, hopefully, if not, please do so. It's normal to, as a human, to be upset and to feel anxious and uncomfortable when we encounter certain content or information that can be troubling. It's part of the healthy human emotional development to feel all of these emotions because one emotion is not better than the other. But when speaking about triggers associated with trauma, like an experience of trauma, these are different. When, you're ex when you've experienced a traumatic event in your life, there is a part of you that is now created, if you will, that will always be there. And like I mentioned last week, this part will now be on the lookout for anything that remotely resembles the original event and warn you that it might be happening or will happen again. When this type of trigger happens again, you're often going to feel a sense of loss, loss in time and space like you're grounding, you know, it's, it just feels like it's gone. Like the footing underneath you is gone, which means you've moved out of that parasympathetic state. Your emotions are amplified. You can become disassociated and now you're disconnected with your body. That's what's happening when you're having a trauma response. Now, a lot of people, like I said, are using this word trigger in the context of my friend was talking to me about how her boss was looking her up and down and making little comments that made her feel really uncomfortable. The story from your friend would perhaps be triggering because the story makes you feel uncomfortable to listen to. And perhaps you're feeling a lot of anger for her boss that treated her that way or behaved in that way. So now you might have a little bit of higher emotions, right? But it's not traumatic trigger. 
So you might walk away and be like, oh my gosh, she told me this story and I felt super triggered because it felt really uncomfortable. But if you had a boss in the past who sexually abused you, causing a trauma part in you now, then the story from your friend will be trauma triggering because it's going to remind you of that past experience. And in the moment, your body is going to have a response physiologically to that memory. You're going to feel that hyper arousal, the sympathetic state, and then drop to the hypo in that dorsal vagal state system because it gets overwhelmed, flooded, shuts down, and this is your trauma response. Does that make sense? So there's a difference here. And again, I, this term triggers getting used, but overused in the non-traumatic context. And I really want to make a point here because those of you who are listening to this podcast, you women who have experienced a very traumatic event in your life, in your previous marriage. So navigating divorce after this experience, this part of you moves along with you. And I'm hoping that as you learn more about this, you can learn how to tell the difference, learn how to be more in tune with your body. You're going to be more in charge. You're going to have an empowered divorce around this aspect of triggers and trauma responses. Remember, it's really important, first of all, to identify your triggers. That was your homework. I know, I know you don't have actual homework, but the invitation was there last week to practice and become more aware. Try to think about when your PTSD symptoms come up and ask yourself, like identifying the trigger questions. So, for example, what type of situation am I in right now? What's happening around me? What you're doing here is dropping into an observation role. Okay, you're becoming the observer of the situation. And this is where you're gathering information. It's that awareness. So, asking yourself, okay, what situation am I in? What's happening around me? What emotion is showing up? What am I feeling right now? What are my thoughts? What am I experiencing? What is my brain offering me here right now? What is my body doing? In fact, maybe start with your body, right? What's showing up in my body physiologically? What sensations are showing up in my body? Is my heart racing? Is my chest pounding? Do I feel sweaty? Are my hands shaking? Legs feel like they're wobbly and going to fall out from underneath me. Those are the body sensations. And then what's the emotion that's going along with that, right? Is it fear, worry, anger? Like what is that emotion? And then if you can, get out a piece of paper and just jot some things down, what, what you're recognizing and becoming aware of. Write down your thoughts. If you can't, pull up your phone, open up your notes app. If you can't write anything down, that's okay. It's still enough, I promise. It still makes a huge difference in the practice of stopping and just asking yourself that question. Sometimes you can't just say that out loud. Maybe you're at your family's house or with some friends to dinner or at church, whatever. But drop in what's going on right here. What just happened? What was just said? What's happening in my body? Get curious. If you really are wanting help from these triggers and trauma responses, then this is where you start right here. I know it can seem tedious, but it really does work. And it's how you become empowered and in charge over this. Now, this is a whole other topic that I will address in a different episode. But when you are trauma bonded with your ex, this is also why it's so important to understand these triggers and when and how they're arising. Notice how often these come from 
the interactions and thoughts around your ex. One of the best ways to break a trauma bond is to stop all contact and connection. We're eliminating all the triggers as possible right now when we don't have that contact. Now, I know, I know when you have kids, it's like near impossible. But if you are able to include a third party to help in this way, like a communication app. At one point, I had my lawyer be the mediator, meaning I didn't have any contact with him unless it was through my lawyer. And even though that was just for, I don't know, like maybe three months, it was just long enough for me to let go of this really intense fear trigger. I was so afraid that I was going to do something that would get me to lose my kids. That was that the main thought that kept going through my mind was, you're going to lose your kids, you're going to lose your kids. That was a threat and so made against me. And so, of course, it was a fear. And being able to have that third party in the middle gave me a serious break from the fear and and honestly taught me a lot about what legally I did and didn't have to respond to. So that was money well worth it. But sometimes you're going to have to get that third party involved and really just get curious about how often you are thinking of him and picking up the rope, so to speak, and tying it around your waist and being dragged through the mud as this trauma bond continues. Now, again, if you want more information about that or you're feeling like, oh my gosh, it is so me, reach out and book a session. Let's let's work through some of those tools that can really help you navigate that. One of the tools that I'm going to offer you to practice are those body scans, which essentially is just being aware of your body, like what is going on? What are those sensations showing up physiologically in my body? The other tool that will really help you with these triggers, managing them, is having boundaries, having boundaries with yourself, knowing, and when you do these body scans and you know where you currently are at in the present moment, like what's going on in my body? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Then it's going to help you to not only be more honest with yourself, but honest with other people. So for example, before I jump in the car with my husband to go pick up my stepkids from his ex-wife's house, I do a body scan. I just check in with myself and see where am I at emotionally? What are my thoughts? You know, what's what's going on with me? And then I decide if going over to his ex-wife's house is what I need right now. This helps me to avoid being triggered. That used to happen a lot when we first got married. We'd go pick up the kids and I would leave massively triggered and it would ruin the rest of my night. And so I started to implement this and become more in charge of that and experience just drastically changed in me giving myself permission, right? Like, nope, not today. You can go pick them up yourself, right? Like I was being in charge and that's what having control over these triggers is about. That's what we're trying to practice here. So what are the triggers that you're having most of the time in your life and where might you have the power to choose differently? so that you can avoid that trigger. This can be a bit challenging because we often don't see where we do have power to choose. Most of the time we're worried about what other people think or feel or give our power in some way to other people, other situations, and and let essentially let them choose for us. If I worried about what my husband was thinking or feeling or if he was going to be mad if I didn't go with him to pick up the kids, then choose to go because I'm worried about him, despite me knowing that it wouldn't be a good idea, it's not what I need at the moment, but I'm more worried about, you know, his feelings, 
then not only do I get triggered, but now I resent him. So keeping your own boundary really eliminates the possibility of triggers, boundary violations, and you're going to be more honest with yourself and others. I want to talk briefly about how to recognize if the relationship you're in is creating a trauma response. So for example, those of you who are dating or trying to navigate post-divorce relationship with your ex, I think it's so important to recognize now with your ex who you had a traumatic event with, right? But oftentimes we, we are re-traumatizing ourselves unnecessarily after divorce. So before you have a scheduled encounter with your ex, like switching kits, ground yourself, do a body scan, recognize your thoughts, be aware of where you're at. This does not mean, hear me out here, this does not mean go into fix-it mode and get yourself happy and positive and perfect, all right? Just so that I can go and switch kids around. This is about you being aware of your present current state and accepting that's where I'm at. And as you understand where you're currently at, it's going to help you differentiate between being trauma triggered and having higher emotions because you're tired or you really don't want to drive 30 minutes to take your kids, right? So that when you leave that situation, you can be very clear about whether or not you were triggered or you are having a human experience by just being annoyed and frustrated. For example, when I'm thinking thoughts like, I'm so tired of working, my body hurts, I just worked 17 hours, and now I have to drive 30 minutes to drop off my kids, and when I get there, I'm going to see his new freaking wife, and I don't have time to shower, dropping them off first, so I look and smell like I just rummaged through a dumpster, and it's not going to feel so great when I drive away from that happy little family. Okay, so those are my thoughts, hypothetically speaking. So I'm going to feel anxious, insecure, jealous, anger, all before I even go into the exchange with the children. Okay, that's my awareness. I have to see that. That is so important. So when I drive away and all those emotions are still there, I'm like, yep, I know they're there. And I know why. Because of what I was thinking. Because of what I was thinking and feeling before I even got there. Versus driving away, feeling all of these emotions and believing that I was triggered by the past trauma. And this is important because I don't want to give that part any more credit than it needs, right? It's already probably sucking a lot of the energy away. I don't want to give it more credit. I want to be very clear about what exactly is happening so that I know where my power is. And when I can see that, all right, I'm feeling super frustrated, insecure, jealous, angry, whatever that is, because of my thoughts. Now I know that if I want to change that experience, I change my thoughts. I work on what the story is that I'm telling myself as I even go into that or leave that experience. Trauma trigger would be I'm in the kitchen making dinner and my kids call their dad. They have him on speaker. And out of the blue, he tells the kids that he's getting married the next day. They have no idea who she is. I didn't know he was dating. And so soon after the divorce, so in that moment, my sympathetic nervous system is all lit up, preparing my body for fight and flight, hyperarousal state. And my high anxious worry state kicks in, action, 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 which looks like hurry, get dinner made, clean like a mad woman, yell at kids to get things done. By the end of the day, they're in bed and that high level 
exhausting energy is like done. Like we can't keep it up anymore. I bypass the parasympathetic grounding, calming state because there is no grounding happening. And then bam, I end up in the fetal position in the closet, crying on the ground, feeling like the ground is literally going to fall out from underneath me because I'm just going to die. Can't move. Frozen, overwhelmed. That is a trauma response. Because this experience triggered the trauma of him being with another woman. It triggered that part that was created when in our marriage, he was with another woman and I didn't know. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know it was happening. It was fast. That part recognized similar situations, similar patterns. And it, it lit up and warned me, danger, danger, danger. There's another woman. You didn't know just like you didn't know in your marriage. Okay, so now you're triggered and your body is having a trauma response. How do you cope? What do we do? Well, the best way to cope with triggers is to just avoid them altogether. (laughs) Okay, joking, because that's impossible. It's impossible because you are here having a human experience. So when you do have a trigger, I first want to just say nothing has gone wrong in that you haven't done anything wrong to cause this trigger. This is, remember, is a part of you that's doing its job. I have women asking all the time, how do I prevent these from happening? How do I get them to stop? How do I go through life and I don't ever want to trigger again? I don't ever want to have a traumatic experience again. I don't ever want to be impacted again. And it can be really frustrating to hear the answer, but the answer is you can't. There is nothing that 100% eliminates the possibility of impact from another human brain. Which then brings women to saying, well, fine, I'm never getting in a relationship with anybody ever again because I don't ever want to experience trauma. And that's totally fine. However, you do live in a world with a lot of other human brains, even if you're not married to one. What I'm trying to help you see here, because this was a big shift for me. It hurt my brain. (laughs) Like it really hurt for me to wrap my head around this concept, what I'm sharing with you right now. But one of the things I'm going to talk about here later is learning from these and growing. This is the healing process, the healing journey. And you can't do that when you're constantly believing that you've done something wrong or that something's going wrong when you're here having a human body experience. It's like the analogy I was telling you, I think in another episode with my son and driving the car and how I wanted so badly just to get in back behind the wheel and have control. Because when I am behind the wheel, I feel like I have the the risk level of driving down the road drops drastically when I'm behind the car versus my son right now, right? Because I have more practice. I have more tools. I've been practicing a hell of a long, lot longer than that child. And so the risk percentage is less when I'm behind the wheel. And when I'm behind the wheel and I've got control and I'm looking at my mirrors and I'm double looking over my shoulder before I change lanes, I know my tires are up to pressure, I know my oil is in check, like all the things, right? I've done all the things. I've looked for all the red flags that could possibly happen with my car and I've checked them and double checked. And I've got two hands on the wheel and I'm driving and I'm looking and I'm checking that probability of high risk has dropped. However, because I don't have any control over the other cars on the road, 
the impact is still possible. Because you don't have any control over other human brains, the impact is still possible. This is, again, really important that I want you to understand and see so that you can let go of this idea that maybe you've done something wrong. Let go of this idea that something drastically has gone wrong. Now, please hear me clearly. What happened to you? The choice of somebody else is wrong. I'm not saying that's a good choice that they made. It wasn't a good choice. What I'm saying is that because I chose to get into a relationship with another human brain and I had zero control over his choices and the direction that he took, I was impacted. And I was impacted because I am a human who got into a relationship with another human. I'm impacted with other relationships of people that I'm not married to because I'm a human. I'm impacted when I go to a game. I'm just minding my own business, sitting on a bleacher, and someone decides to chuck something and it hits my head. I was impacted. I didn't do anything wrong. And nothing universally, internally went wrong. That's part of having a human experience when you decide to go to a ball game and you're jam-packed into the bleachers and there are people who are drunk behind you and have lost all controls of their faculties and chuck things. I made the choice to go to the game. Again, this I, I know I'm probably just blowing some of your brains up and that's okay. I like blowing them up a little bit because I want you to sit with it. I want you to get more curious about this. I want you to see why is this so uncomfortable? Why is it so much easier to just believe that I'm not doing it right. And that if I could just find some magic bean, (laughs) I could just find some checklist to not ever let this happen again. Well, hell yeah, that'd be easier because it would mean no pain. That just isn't life. Life comes with the 50-50. So going back to this, how do we cope? First, let go of the belief that you are wrong or did something wrong. Or that when we have a human experience, something's wrong. We don't want to give power to these things that we don't have control over. So when we're impacted, we want to be able to step into control. If I get in a car accident and something happens to my vehicle, right? It'll hurt if the airbag goes off and it smacks me in the face and I get a bruised eye. It's going to hurt. I'm going to feel pain. My car is going to be smashed in the front, but there are resources to help repair. There are resources. And from my experience, being put back together with help, with support, with tools, I got an upgrade because I do believe in a higher power that can repair all things, that can repair things that feel so hopelessly unrepairable. Because I believe in that higher power, I have witnessed it in my own vehicle, air quoting here. I witnessed it in my body. I witnessed a miracle in my physiological healing where I was told by a doctor that it was unrepairable. And yet it was miraculously repaired. When you have a trauma response, you are not going to avoid your thoughts, emotions, and the bodily sensations, the physiological response. 
but there are things that we can control. There are, there, I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to end here. Three things that you can do to help cope and respond to these trauma responses. Number one is safety. Assess your physical safety. What we're wanting to do is come back to reality and tap into our five senses. But first, the safety is a huge issue. Remember, that's what your part of your brain is warning you. It's warning you, hey, we're unsafe here. Death, right? Death, 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 possible death. All right, let's do a check. Am I going to die? Is my physical body in danger? Check my emotional safety, mental, spiritual, sexual safety. Do a real-time check here. This is vital to moving through the trauma and calming that part down just a little bit when you can recognize, okay, hold on, I'm physically safe. And then we want to breathe. We want to breathe and we want to feel safe in our bodies. So a couple tools, put one hand on your belly and one hand on your chest and breathe. Deep breathe through the belly. Inhale, exhale slowly. Another thing is you can put the palm of your hand on your forehead and one on your belly. And what we're doing here as we put our hands, chest, belly, forehead, and breathing is we're reminding ourselves that our body is a container that holds all the emotions that you're feeling right now that are flooding you. Your body is the container holding these emotions that are in your body. Sometimes when we're having these trauma responses, it can feel like these big emotions are outside of us, hurting us. Therefore, we can feel unsafe. But these are sensations in the body, energy, emotions, information. And when we remember that this container holds them, we can do that by just placing our hands on our head and remembering your body was designed to know what to do with this energy, to have this energy move through the body when we make space for it. This is one tool that you can do to make space for it. To also do a real-time check is, again, your senses. So naming colors around you. Even if you're driving, you can do this. Looking out the window and just naming the colors that you see. I would recommend if you can, do it out loud. <laughs> My kids thought I was playing some word game all the time. But name the colors out loud because not only are you tapping into the sense of sight, the visual, but then when you say it out loud, you're tapping into the sense of hearing. And again, when we're tapping into this, we're bringing ourselves back to that parasympathetic state, the grounding, the clarity, that safety, that window of tolerance is what we're trying to practice getting into when we have a trauma response. Okay, so there's a few safety recognition tricks. Number two is support. Hopefully you have at least one person besides your higher power that is in your support. That's your support person to reach out to when you have a trauma response. If you don't feel like you can reach out anytime when you have a trauma response to this person, then they're not the right support person. So communicate with someone that you feel safe with. Make sure there's a clear understanding of what you need. And if they agree to be that person for you, use them. There are support groups. There are professional supports. Just getting that because you cannot do this alone. And it's not, again, because you're weak. It's because you're not supposed to. Part of getting the support from other people, that connection is that oxytocin, which helps you in that parasympathetic state, helps you in that window of tolerance. This helps you ground to reality. Okay, third one is expansion, the shift. 
in a safe way, you're growing from this experience and it might look like expressing anger in a healthy way, doing an angry run, punching a punching bag. I used to love smashing eggs, but that's now a very expensive release of anger. So we're going to pause on that one right now. But what expansion is not, it's not not having negative emotions. Expansion is growing your emotional maturity, growing your emotional intelligence. It's learning to ride the wave of all of the emotions from a place of self-awareness, self-acceptance. It's not forcing yourself to be happy. In fact, when you're forcing yourself to be happy and joy all the time, you're actually going to trigger yourself. When you make room for your experience, these triggers and trauma responses that come with being a human part of this earth experience, when you drop the judgment and lean into self-love, lean into that self-acceptance, your joy naturally will increase at a healthy level. Your physical body will be freer from pain. Your emotional intelligence will increase. You're going to feel less alone and you're going to feel safer in your environment and in your body. All we're doing is practicing to incorporate these tools along the healing journey so that you can be empowered and you will be beyond than what you can ever imagine, right? If you're not following me on Instagram, go to at Amy Woolsey and follow me because I don't have a date yet, but I will announce it on Instagram. I'm going to do a a free webinar around triggers. We'll go through some additional tools and get some support to help those of you who are struggling with this. Also, please get professional help. Feel free to reach out and do a consult and let's walk through some of these triggers and slow down the trauma response and walk through how we can get back to that window of tolerance, that parasympathetic state of grounding so that we can practice being in power. All right, my amazing listeners, I will see you next time. Are you ready to take your healing journey to the next level? Then join my next group coaching program, Believing in You, that starts in January. It's a 12-week program where you are going to become even more aware of what your human brain is doing to keep you from thriving in your life, from creating your life. For more information, check out the link in the show notes or go to my social media, links in the bio. But remember, you are the chooser in your life and have the power to create the life you want one step at a time. Take care, everybody.